0: Now three, two, one, go.
1: Welcome to episode 61 of the Cooldown Time Podcast. It's our Thursday episode where we talk about games that may no longer be in your FOV, but we are here to bring them back with our Cooldown Callback, and of course, our Checkpoint chat where we tackle interesting topics and have long-form conversation about all things video games. My name is Pablo, and with me today is the voice you know very well. It's the graphically impressive host himself, Marco. What's up, buddy? What's
0: going on, man? I'm doing okay. Uh... I got a wisdom tooth taken out a couple of days ago, but I'm still here because I, I'm I'm loyal to my to my purpose. It's kind of like like a speech from the boss from MGS three. Actually, I kind of stole for this moment. And
1: this man is sitting right there talking to mic with an ice pack Listen, on his man, face. You do what you do. Dedication.
0: You got to do what you got to do if you love it. You know what I mean? So, but no, I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm I'm always excited to to you know uh, plan for these Thursday episodes since it's kind of our our new our new baby. So. Uh, I'm excited for this one, man. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to tell us uh, where they can find us or you want me to do that?
0: No, I'm good. Uh, no, I got this. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other popular streaming apps. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Cooldown Time Podcast and Twitter at Cooldown Time Pod to stay connected with your boys in between episodes. It's a good decision. All the best people in the world do it, and you should be one of them. <laughs> okay?
1: Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So let's head right into our cooldown callback. We're going to talk about a old game that has been remade. Uh, we're going to kind of compare and contrast between these two games here. So let's get right into our cooldown callback. All right. So that game is Resident Evil 2. Ooh remake slash ori- slash the original how how would you call it like original i i wonder if just yeah just if I, you know, RE2. it depends yeah. on
0: who you are you know i go i go og re2 myself that's that's kind yeah, of my OG preference
1: two. there you go a game was originally released in 1998 for the playstation 2 uh really something special when it came out i, I don't think any game uh it took leaps and bounds forward from what the original resident evil did and it really kind of uh made people pay attention to the whole resident evil kind of birthed the entire uh phenomenon that is resident evil uh and so from that obviously we got two three and code veronica all made by uh shinji mikami who's a legendary developer of these kind of horror games uh so marco i want to kind of start off kind of spicy here just kind of put you on the spot what's what Which one is better? If you had to pick one, is it RE2 Remake or the original uh, RE2? Yeah, so, I
0: mean, if I had to choose, I think... First of all, I, I think both of them still have... Um you know, both both games have their own unique kind of charm, uh, all their own. Um, even even after the, the, the remake came out, but I had to say, I mean, if I had to choose between the two, I would certainly take the the remake because of all of its you know ways that it, it, it successfully modernized what made uh, the original so great, and also kind of you know tried a few new things and expanded on some things in a way that I think was the uh, fully realized vision of what they maybe wanted um, the original to be uh, back in the day because of, you know, hardware restrictions and so on and so forth. Yeah. But um, I certainly like the, the new one better, but, but the original still holds a really special place in my heart, uh, just the same.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that, about RE2 remake that's so incredible is it, it's, it's it's there's so many differences between it and the original, yet it feels just like you thought it felt when you originally played the game, and that's like a true testament to to the talent behind the, this uh, game. That that really what they try to do is not not necessarily outdo what Resident Evil 2 did, but rather make it feel like the original but in a modern sense modern controls modern storytelling mechanics all the stuff that they really did uh so what do you think Marco? i know you had a few things that you kind of want to talk about when it comes to these two titles what are what are some stuff you want to kind of tell us about it
0: yeah um so to kind of double back on on the original for a bit i i think that for me um Not everybody agrees with this, but I I think that neither neither the remake or the original render each other obsolete. Um, I think that the original still has a purpose uh, within the series because I think it was striving for something um, very different for its time, that um, the remake... Uh, definitely did a great job of of being faithful to but also kind of reinterpreted and reimagined and and, and what i mean by that is i think you have sort of the campy nostalgic classic Vibe of of the original Re2, uh, complete with the bad voice acting, the 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 campy one liners, <laughs> and all that stuff, and then you have you know the the modernized and darker uh, reimagining of the remake, and I I think both of those kinds of experiences can coexist uh, in a way that. I don't really think that I've seen too often when it comes to remakes and their original counterparts. I think both of them mm. um, have a place. I, I really think that there's um, there's a raw grit and a mystique to the original RE2 that I think is very special because it, it was it was at a time when Capcom was still trying to figure out you know how to expand on the first game, if this is going to be a series that has legs, and how to make that work. Uh, so that this, this franchise has longevity. It was a very unproven franchise, even as a sequel. So they, they, they yeah. really went for a lot of interesting ideas, um, you know, and, and, build, and built on the foundation of the original, uh, but also left a lot of, you know, really interesting gray areas of uh, experimentation. Uh, when it came to boss battles and, and obviously Mr. X and, and things along those lines that I thought was really cool. Uh, and even even after the remake, I, th- I think a lot of that still holds up in a way that feels very cool for its time. And like, wow, I can't believe they actually sh- you know strived for that back then uh, and, and pulled yeah. it off. So I think, to me, I think both games still complement each other very, very well
1: yeah I think yeah for me RE2 Remake really straddles that line between being a full blown uh, kind of reimagining yeah. and being a, a retelling uh, right. which is you know a lot of franchises now are kind of trying to figure out how they want to approach the remake of a, f- a popular franchise they may have for, you know, Final Fantasy 7 uh, they, they've taken the remake in a, in a whole different context when, when they talk about it it's not necessarily that they're remaking the game but they're remaking the story in that way where yeah. RE2 isn't necessarily doing that though they are adding elements that feel, like, different enough to where it kind of... It, it just works for the advancement of the mm-hmm. story in modern times, you know? Th- that's kind of everything that they're doing here is how would we make this game feel like if we had released it for the first time in 2022 or 2021, whenever uh, 2019 or the game came out. But I, I feel even with that, like, advancements in lighting and and, and, and technical just... uh know-all in, in, in how they've developed the game between lighting and shadow it, all that stuff really brings the game to life in a way that if you play the original obviously with technology then just isn't didn't come to fruition um you know they can use the darkness and and and, and that kind of stuff to really uh, their advantage um and even though the layout is 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 pretty much the same at least how you would think of it in your head going to the police station and all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff in the game within the design that feels even new to experience Resident Evil 2 fans. So that, even that, it's 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 inviting not only new players in but old players in. For sure. And giving them at a baseline a, 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 great experience but also a new experience as well so it's they, they straddle that line really really good so like from the outside looking in it's like oh this is a, a frame a one for one remake but when you really get into it like you know the Mr. X stuff mm-hmm. all, all that stuff really elevates the game to a point where in I, I kind of defer I'm kind of different than you I feel like makes the by doing all that makes the old one a little obsolete for me just mm-hmm. it, it'd be hard for me to go back to it but then again you know the people who people who love the, the old versions of those games exactly. you know obviously it's always going to be there for them but um, yeah. yeah man I, I, I'm in agreement with you in that sense
0: yeah and I, I think something that that has to be stated here is, based on what you just said which is 100% true is the degree of difficulty to pull that off there is so many levers they had to figure out and, and, and dials they had to figure out to, to make sure that This game could be exactly what it needed to be for longtime fans, and it needed to be for a newcomer, um, and still feel faithful to Resident Evil, not have some weird identity crisis um, that the series had kind of been known for, um, with RE6 and RE5 kind of you know, breaking away from survival horror and going into survival, like you know, action horror almost. So, yep. you know, they had a lot on their plate here with really figuring out how they were going to make this work. And there was a lot of stuff they could have got wrong. But to your point, um, when it came to changing the the, the perspective to the over-the-shoulder uh, that we, you know, kind of gotten used to since RE4, uh, none of that tarnished the scares, the exploration or the atmosphere of the game. Uh, obviously the visual enhancements work wonders and, and it's only gotten better with the PS5 and Series X upgrades and sound design is another huge one too, um, That doesn't get talked about enough uh, with this remake, but I think it is exceptional sound design, which is paramount to not just a remake of RE2 being great, but any real survival horror game or or horror game of any type being great. You have to create an atmosphere uh, with audio that... Um, is believable and and keeps you on your toes just as well as what you're seeing on the screen. So when you think about you know Mr X or, or Tyrant whatever you want to call him um, you know you hear his footsteps above you or below you or or maybe just another room away things like that really matter. Uh, when it comes to creating that unsettling vibe and keeping you on your toes and never letting you feel too comfortable with what you're doing. Like, oh, I already killed everybody in this area, so I can run down this hall like it's no problem. No, not so much because people can burst their windows if you don't board them up. So you always have that that threat. And I think the audio and visual um, design work here is just top of the line to really drive all that stuff home uh, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and it really mess with the player in, in that way, too, where they use the sound to really further uh, kind of create this incredible ambiance yeah. that, that, that you find in that game. And then, obviously, the stuff they do with, with, with Tyrant or Mr. X, like you said, uh, where the, I think there are certain like, safe rooms where he can bust through. I like, don't know about safe that, rooms. Um, there might be. I think there's a portion of the game... I, I got, I can't remember. It's designed this way. Um, I think a portion of the game where you go into a safe room, but it's not a safe room, but it just it looks like one. And I think he busts through it. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm making that up. But I felt like uh, I felt like they did something like that where you felt there was a time where you felt safe but all, all of a sudden you weren't uh in that way but like you know there are games that do that uh, there's a portion in um in the last of us 2 where you're you go into a bench like a weapons bench oh
0: yeah uh, i remember that yeah
1: nothing ever happens in the weapons bench and then that one time like yeah. they subvert expectations yep. the game does this often with, with that with that and they use sound design and visual representation of that way but yeah man um I agree with you. I think this is, like, it's a high mark of success, and it's spawned, obviously, yeah. uh, 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 part three, and now part four is coming. And, you know, no longer are we looking at those future reasons, like, oh, I wonder how they're going to do it, because we already know what they have in store. They already know what, what their kind of design philosophy is, and... You know, we're all in. We're super yeah, into absolutely. it. And we can't wait for more of that. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, just
0: a few quick things. I think characterization is another area where there was a real huge improvement over the original. Uh, when you have, yeah. you know, the, the the improved models that were obviously night and day compared to the PlayStation era, you have opportunities to create nuances with facial animations. Uh, like I mentioned yeah. earlier, you can improve the voice acting and the dialogue. Uh, you, you get a chance to kind of reinvent that wheel. Um, and give people a more grounded or, or grittier take on the campier original. Um, and I like yeah. the fact that they gave more room for dialogue between characters. You know, Ada got a little bit more shine. Um, you know, the the Birkin family story arc got a little bit more shine as well. My only downfall was, um, and, and also enemy variety too, when it comes to like, you know, uh, uh, facial and body movements of the zombies and and the visible weapon damage and dismemberment, like all that stuff really adds up after a while. But um, narratively, Absolutely. I think the only letdown was the, the the intersections between Leon and Claire to me were... Uh, still too flat and they were too scarce, too, they were too spread out. I think there were only two instances where they ever really crossed paths. So I wish that there had been more opportunities for kind of feeling like the other person was somewhere else in the police station doing something instead of this, um, this feeling like they weren't really ever there. Um, I don't think it does a good yeah. enough job of simulating that they were both kind of in the same situation uh, story-wise as, as I had hoped for
1: yeah the approach to that just seems kind of like uh whichever whoever you pick to play first, that's kind of your main st- your main like yeah basis. almost yeah. and everything else after that's kind of like a throwaway like oh, you could do this for fun. It never felt essential yeah I mean uh, to to the experience. other than
0: like you know you had the Ada stuff with Leon and you had the Birkin stuff with Claire. Mm-hmm. that was really the only major difference other than that it was just kind of little palette swaps.
1: And I think it did a little bit of a disservice to that because it, it kind of screams, like you said, palette swap. But there are two major story elements uh, that are tucked away in each of their playthroughs that you won't experience unless you right. uh, play both playthroughs. And, and and you know, and the approach to the entire second playthrough just feels a little bit like yeah, sure, you can do this, you know. But, you know, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people consider their first playthrough of that game kind of like their main playthrough. And um, I, I do agree. I do like kind of like uh, also some of the small touches with their clothing where mm-hmm. it, at first glance it looks like it's the same cloth a piece of clothing but when you look at it, it's been modernized and it looks like something that would be worn today modern day so yeah little stuff like that they really and it painstakingly uh, uh took the time to make those changes because they really care and that's kind of what shows about in terms of like them caring about that but yeah i i totally uh agree with all got, of that i got, I got uh, well I that's got
0: one more thing i want to yeah, say uh yeah. but i'll let you go ahead if you got something else you want to talk about
1: no, no, I I was just gonna wrap up, but um, go ahead. Yeah, go no, ahead. this is
0: uh, this was my dream when I was uh, a kid, and it didn't happen with this remake. But I hope that there's a, a Resident Evil in the future that that does this kind of thing with co op instead of what uh, five and six did. I wish that there Ugh. was a way, like w- one of us could play as Claire, one of us can play as Leon, and we're both in the police station. We both have to coordinate together. Like, okay, I'm gonna draw Mister X away so that you can go here and do this and and finish this Dude. puzzle, and then you can kind of draw him away so that I can go do what I gotta do. You know, and like more like like a, almost like a co op like component, but inside the police station, that would have been super dope. Of like going our separate ways, and it, it checks the box of what I said earlier. Of it feels like Leon and Claire actually doing things simultaneously um but in a cool co-op kind of fashion it would have been too risky to do that and it would have probably pissed off a lot of purists but it would have been it would have been nice to see something cool like that tried out
1: well i mean when you look at look at games like um it takes two or uh a way Mm -hmm. out right obviously made by by joseph harris but i I mean i would be cool i'd be down for like a mod or a a a, a mode within mm-hmm. the game where you can play the game like that together. That would be super, incredibly dope, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because the game kind of... The, the way the, the story is told is kind of being told in that way where these two things are happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But if you can have more direct effect on the other players uh, during, like, li- live during that playtime, exactly. oh, man, that'd be so cool. I, I You know, I... I know they're never going to touch Resident Evil 5 or 6 again. I don't I don't I hope not. I think that they're going <laughs> to or
0: reimagine reimagine to... the hell out of those ones. Take that's what All I was the liberties say. you want.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. If, if if they if the wells drying running a little dry cuz I know eventually they'll, they'll probably remake Resident Evil 1 on an anniversary or something. They ha- they have to at this point. Um that I I think that um if the uh, wells running a little dry. They they go back to 5 and 6 but do something like that yeah. and you know that's going to piss less people off because Resident, true Resident Evil fans don't like that game. I'm not even like a big Resident Evil fan. I think 6 in particular is an abomination Ugh. of a game. Uh, so like imagine taking those two games and making it a game like that as a reimagining. That would be great. I mean, win-win. You, you make a terrible game good and you make people who hate that, that game exactly. maybe not love it, but still you know you got new fans that have come fans, to it. Yep. I, I think that's a super great idea. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep yeah man shout out to resident evil 2 man uh it, this game had to be successful so that the dead spaces of the world can come back silent hills can come back so th- thank god this game was actually a, a, a great one uh to pave the way for survival yeah. horror to have a place again in, in in modern gaming so shout out to capcom man they, they've been they've been they've been doing, doing their it. thing with resident evil as of late so
1: just a. Uh Couple of years ago Ooh. they were they were in a worse way. Like I think they had a showcase and they showed yeah. absolutely nothing it was getting worth spooky. the show. And then all of a sudden yeah, now all of a sudden that last Capcom showcase was like probably mm-hmm. the best of the of the whole Summer Game Fest and most likely. Uh neck and neck with uh the Final Fantasy one. But man, that's it's good to see uh even if it's even if they're taking like an established franchise and doing things like Resident Evil Two yeah. remake, because I think I I a lot. There's a lot of conversations out there about being bored or sick of remakes, but if they're doing this to, to 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 their games, you know, modernizing them and 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 just making them an overall better better experience, I'm down for that. I mean, why not? Take all my. I'm gonna give them a list of all my top ten favorite games. Remake <laughs> all these and Man, make you know. Listen, it's it's do it. Why not? You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's gonna do it for a cool down call back. Now we're gonna talk about three beloved video game franchises that we loathe. And I think you guys are going to be pretty mad at us. You're going to be screaming uh, through your uh, listening devices. But we don't care. Mm -mm. We don't care. We know you love them, but we love them. Here next on our Checkpoint Chat.
0: It's time for the Checkpoint Chat.
1: All right, Marco. Yes, sir. Like we mentioned, we're going to talk about those three game franchises we... We we love to loathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're not going to say hate in particular because there's some things, at least in my choices, that I don't hate these franchises. I just really don't ever want to play <laughs> another game in them again. If they don't ever come back, I'm fine. And we're not going to go the easy route either. Uh, for those of you who've heard the podcast before, we're not going to talk about Sonic. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're going a little bit different the, the,
0: here. Some of the some of these like we've kind of quietly despised and and haven't really talked about openly before so yeah Yeah. be ready y'all and
1: and we're and i and and i and i can attest to this uh i know me and marco are not being contrarians in any way shape or form uh I, i just think we're looking at certain franchises that are pretty much loved all around the world mm-hmm. by many people and just certain aspects of it that just don't work for us in particular. Definitely. But um, Marco, why don't you go ahead and, and start us off here with your number three. We'll go round robin. You go three. I'll do my three. So on and so forth.
0: All right. Let's do it. Okay, man. So um, my first one, uh, the first franchise that, that I have, have quietly loathed and never admitted. Okay. Dude, every time I hear the word Kirby... <laughs> I just, in my in my soul, I just go, ugh. Um, to me, Kirby is a C-tier franchise that has never found its identity in 30 years. Um, I think that Kirby has been, <laughs> Kirby has been, uh, has had imposter syndrome written all over it uh, almost since day one. I think it's been a great value, distilled, cheap, offshoot version of what uh, Mario is usually doing or did years before. Um, And I think when you take that great value um, sort of imposter syndrome thing, you couple it with uninspiring art style that is just... It's overly kiddy to the point where it's like brain dead. Um, And then you have the brain dead difficulty uh, of being just ridiculous... (laughs) there's just no you can you can be in a mild coma and finish this game with with almost little to no difficult, uh, challenge whatsoever and then you add on just the the again 30 years of underdeveloped wasted potential of really defining and giving Kirby himself an actual story that's worth talking about like i, I don't know if if anyone really Without the, the the use of a Wikipedia article or something, really knows a whole lot about Kirby. And I actually, to prepare for this uh, this little soliloquy of mine, I have prepared what the games tell you is his background versus what the anime says is his background. And you can tell that there is just wild inconsistencies. There is just stuff that 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 the you know these. These developers have never taken the time to flesh out or even think about, um, or that there's, an, especially in the anime side, it there's a cool sounding backstory there, but it's Kirby though, you know what I mean? And that's that, that's <laughs> that like that uh feeling. So I'm gonna read the both of them real quick, and this is gonna be uh, just All quick right, paraphrasing. So here's what oh, the game course. background is. Kirby is a cheerful boy that hails from from Planet Popstar where he lives in a dome-shaped house in the country of dreamland he has a positive attitude and frequently helps to save dreamland kirby is not the only one of his kind but no official name of his species has ever been determined at all then we have the anime background this one sounds interesting pavel listen to this a legendary star warrior who according to legend is fated to save his home world from destruction but awoke from his slumber 200 years early by mistake and as such has childlike traits. It's also implied uh-huh. that he was initially a creation of an ancient evil entity called Nightmare, but refused to follow his evil orders and was discarded into the depths of space. Boy, that sounds pretty interesting. But it's Kirby, guys. Man, that sounds crazy. But it's Kirby, though. That's the thing. Like, There's, there's inconsistencies. There's coolness that just never gets tapped into and even when it does you still think about and you're know, like, yeah, but look at this dude though. It's built like a <laughs> built like a <laughs> sweet me, potato baby. and he's called Kirby <laughs> and he's pink and he just seems to be this little kitty baby thing like I don't know man this this is a franchise that to me has never really clicked with me I don't get it um, I, I I think it's been a weird road for this series with the, the, the games about yarn and you know then there was one I think there's one about painting and now now it's kind of taking uh, Super Mario Odyssey and going that's a good idea let's do that five years later and, and it just doesn't none of it makes sense to me dude I, I can't deal with Kirby man I don't like him not a fan
1: yeah I would say that Kirby and the Forgotten Lands is probably their first step into really tapping into the potential of what Kirby could be. And not saying that Kirby has a lot of potential to begin with, but rather the fact that it could be something that isn't less everything else. Because when you look at those releases of Kirby games, they're literally everything from like side-scrolling beat-em-ups to mm-hmm. whatever the hell – Right. Uh, they've done in the in the past uh, and it's, what's equally interesting is how laboratories who've who've developed all their games the fact that they've made like really dope Games like especially in the Pokemon, uh, like Pokemon, uh, Stadium, and they've actually made the original Super Smash Bros., which come on, it's legendary, right. And then they had Mother Three canceled on them, and then ever since then, sure, they, they've made Smash Melee and all that, but it's all Kirby, Kirby Dream Land, Kirby in the Amazing a, Mirror. It's such a shame, like, all, dude. All these, <laughs> yeah, it's such a crazy little thing when you look at what they've done and what they've pretty much been relegated to do, yep. uh, and. I, I, again, like I said, in the Forgotten Land is probably them giving the, them being given like the liberty to do a lot rather than just pump out Kirby games, and maybe it's a step in the right direction. But ultimately, if I, if push comes to shove, I, I, there's no way that Kirby for me. Is gonna ever supersede or over or, or be better than any of the Nintendo characters uh, that Nintendo you know yeah. is known if for? If it didn't happen uh, in the
0: first thirty years, I don't think it's gonna happen in the next thirty <laughs> at all. Sorry, <laughs> guys. Yeah, so sorry.
1: It's almost like they don't want it to be. Because, I mean, they, they Nintendo's really good at making games. And if, if it really wanted to, to do something, it's, it's so weird that Forgotten Land came 30 years later. Uh, and it's still not like, it's still kind of like great value, Mario, yeah. e- even in that way, you know? A- and speaking of that, um, I'm going to go ahead and move in. Are oh, you done with, with yours? Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'll move it into mine. Uh, and mine is the Mario Sports games. Ooh. Um, okay. He was, uh, Recently, I've been really trying to get... Kind of talk myself into liking these games with Mario Aces to Mario's Golf and, and now Strikers. Uh, but I, I I have to come to the realization that I've been incredibly disappointed by each of those games. And then really thinking back, I've never been a fan of a Mario sports game to begin with. Um, the games usually just feature a derivative approach to whatever titular sport the game is about. It's never... Really interesting soccer or golf or anything of that sort. Uh, oftentimes, the Mario twist that's implemented to the mechanics uh, are mostly really surface level, uh, and there isn't really much of that Nintendo magic that fills ge- the gaps in-, in game modes. You know, it's glorified exhibition modes. Every entry, you yep. know, the, um, Aces tried a story mode that just wasn't very interesting and really took. All of the mechanics that are about you know tennis and 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 just made it so it it made it so unrealistic to that sport and then didn't implement anything interesting enough that it just felt like really just a bad time um, and, and again I, I go back to that kind of Nintendo magic I kind of always compare them to Disney where Disney has that Disney magic when they they make their uh, you know animated sh- movies that Mario of a mario game or a mario a game that features mario for example mario rabbits uh sparks of of hope which is the game that's coming out uh a little bit in a little couple of months you know they just had a showcase they they kind of had a little showing party that game looks amazing it looks like a mario game within the rts world which is there's it doesn't look like one thing or the other it looks like the minds behind nintendo and ubisoft got together and made this incredible game that has that special sauce of mario implemented within a new with a new game uh, genre a new uh, yeah genre of video right. games all mario sports games don't feel that like they're they're they're, they're missing that special marinara sauce not the marinara uh, that you <laughs> what am i gonna dip my bread in man tell you you tell man you know um <laughs> it's like one of those things where it just feels it just feels off they all feel very much like cash grabs in a way um, and I know Mario games uh, are beloved by people and I'm not saying that and, and I know Mario sports games are beloved by people and I'm not saying that the games are terrible they're just really derivative and and and, and don't feel Particularly great to play all the time, you know. When when we played strikers, uh, that, that 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 it just seems a little chaotic yeah, and, and, and all over the place. And they really lean on multiplayer, but Switch doesn't have, and Nintendo doesn't have a great structure for for that to begin with. So it's a kind of a weird option. There's no real story to it. There's no real campaign. It's all exhibition modes, and and they have like the cup thing, kind of like Mario Kart in a way. But it just it's empty and flat. It just ultimately everything they do with these franchises they try to sprinkle in a little bit of that that stuff but it just never works for me i don't think they're the worst games ever but when a mario sports game is announced i'm i'm rarely excited um it's 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 just it's just a shame because they could do so much with this franchise and maybe they did in the past but as the last two genres of the last two console cycles just they haven't done it for me and it just feels like a really really mediocre time and we're talking about some of the one of the great franchises uh mario of all time so yeah i don't expect mediocre when we're talking about mario we're talking about nintendo
0: yeah i love this pick dude um i think i think this is just a tale of of missed opportunity for nintendo because when you think about um you think about what, like you know, we sports did, and what Switch Sports is doing. Even though Switch Sports is not necessarily uh, as good as the old games, um, I think what what um, what sets those games apart is that you have them all packed in together. Um, you can pack them all in, um, and you get them all for the same price. Um, whereas when you get these, the, you know these these single sports games they're full price, and on top of the fact that they're full price, like you said, they're they're not very feature complete. So you're just getting this very bare-bones, skeletal, glorified exhibition with some dumb tournament functionality and an online component that usually doesn't perform very well because their net code is almost always bad. And you, you take that, mm-hmm. you package it, and you say, here you go. And it's like, no, nah, that's, that's really not yep. enough. So I think that's a problem. And then secondly, you also have an issue where... Um, I think that they're almost holding themselves back by by doing real sports. I almost wish they would take the page from Rocket League and um, try to go with something more fictitious that is yeah. something more imaginative that they can build a real story around or they can sustain like a Rocket League. Like you have a kart racing game that is the greatest of all time. Why not take those same carts with those same racers and give us a Rocket League equivalent or something like that? And you do you know how much they can monetize off of that or make off of that alone? Like that's, that's what I mean. So I think they're just by relegating themselves to uh, like real life sports. I think in a way they're sort of hamstringing themselves. And I wish I wish yeah. that one of two things would happen. They need to do that. Or if you're insistent on sticking to real life sports, then at least do like a two pack of, of two different games for the price of one. So that way it's at least comparable to what you can get value-wise out of a Switch Sports type of experience. And you have two sports to work with so that when one gets stale, you have the other one to fall back on. Instead yeah. of just, well, if you get bored of, Kicking the ball through the net—that's kind of it. You know, this is not like a FIFA or another sports thing where you have a lot more other robust modes and management modes and ultimate team modes to keep you going. This is just
1: in the intricacy of the actual sport. Yeah, itself, this is even is yeah, not, yeah, exactly, and yeah.
0: so even then, it's also a simplified version of that sport. So then, what do you do? So I, I think that you're right. They have a—they they, kind of have a critical problem moving forward. I think with this with this whole set of sports games overall.
1: I, I honestly think. Their issue is, is self inflicted in that it's not that they can't figure out the sport of it or, or the game. It's that I feel like they're just pumping them out. I mean, I, I think we've gotten a Mario sports games cons- in consecutive years. It is, I think it was Aces, uh, golf, and and now this one. I think, you know, yep. which is, it It just, it honestly just feels like, oh, we're, we're checking off a, uh, uh, you know, a box, you know, the sports games of the, of the year. Uh, and that's not something that, Nintendo does. They don't really care about checking off. They don't have a Mario game every year or every set year. I don't have a, a Legend of Zelda game every few years. Like they have them when they're ready. You know, they they, they have them when they find an idea that works. Uh, you know, it's been years since the last Donkey Kong with Tropical Freeze. You know, they don't do that work. So, but it's weird that they're doing it with this. And then there are ways to figuring it to figuring out if if you're going to do a real sport like Super Mega Baseball has figured it out. Like it is a super overtly silly yep. game, but it's also robust and statistical and it really uses like the mechanic of baseball to really make that game interesting. So it kind of takes the sport and and implements the intricacies of that sport, but on the on the front end, it just kind of has that silly uh, uh exterior, but in, in the interior it's really really it's actual baseball so like there's two ways of going about that and and nintendo's like smack in the middle we're not going one way or the other with it so uh it's frustrating for sure yeah man um so what do you got there for your uh number two all
0: right so um you know you 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 just kind of referenced how nintendo sort of pumps out these sports titles left and right um my second pick uh for my franchise that i secretly loathe is very much the same um and uh it's a little series by the name of Need for Speed. Um, there is, Pablo, there's like a natural inclination. I don't know if it's instinctual or just nostalgia-driven or, or a combination of the two, that Need for Speed is a top-tier franchise. Um, it gets Oof. an undue amount of an undeserving amount of mainstream media and press buzz whenever a new one's announced or whenever there's a rumor of a new one. I think there's rumors of a, of a, need, for speed, uh, a need for Speed being announced next month, actually. And people are already like, ooh, Need for Speed, here we go. And like rubbing their hands together like the Birdman gif. Uh, from. And it's <laughs> like, guys, what are you seeing that I'm not? I mean, I, I think that the majority of the games in Need for Speed, let's just call it what it is, they've been awful. Uh, with the exception of Hot Pursuit, like the old classic ones, uh, yeah. Underground One and Two had a, had a lot of appeal back in the you know the old days, of three sixty era, Midnight Club kind of sort of thing. Street Racing Carbon was even relatively decent.
1: Carbon was great. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. But I, I you go and look at at the list of Need for Speed games that have come out. If you go on Wikipedia or anywhere. And you look at the list, it's like, man, it's just it's going from bad to worse to worse to worse to bad movie. Then to worse, to worse, to worse. And <laughs> it, it's it's just insane to me that despite all of that, every single time EA is about to, you know, announce or, or release a new one, people just like go full blown men in black, forget that they have played abysmal need for speed games for the last couple years, and just by default are like man this might be the one you know this might be the one and it's I, I don't see it man um every every one of them especially for the last maybe eight to ten years have had the same douchey storyline of some little street racing society or group you know nice moves bro why don't you join our circuit man oh dude it's the popo. we gotta go man and then it's like gotta go yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, you know, it's the typical, you know, pursuit of, of the police thing, which is what the series was known for. But I think that even with that stuff, the, the, the racing is, is pedestrian and it's been long surpassed by other franchises, some oh, of them yeah. even being EA, uh, particularly Burnout, rest in peace. Um, and those signature aspects like the police chases have long lost their luster years and years ago. So... Uh, in a lot of ways need for speed now is a case of why does this actually still exist? what is the purpose yeah. of it still being around other than this weird baffling you know uh inexplicable buzz and recognition that that name still seems to get it, it's just it's clout undeserved and I just don't yeah. understand it and every time a new one gets announced I'm like why though why when you can make a new burnout? Why, when you can you can try to make something totally new and maybe go after the Forza Horizon vibe or something like that, why is why is need for speed still need for speed? And why is it getting worse? And why do people still despite that look forward to it? it's 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 torturous. so I don't like it
1: it's besides those weirdo fans that uh, still look forward to these games. EA is also responsible for the way they talk about this game. They talk about this game and announce this game as if it's still some, one of their top yeah. tier games. It, it, it's so weird to me. And then, obviously, publications pick it up, and they give it, like well, you said, un- And I'm
0: sure they sell well, you know, regardless. Yeah, so. yeah, for
1: sure, because of the weirdo fans. Yeah. that still, still <laughs> love Dude, it. But, yeah, yeah it, it's always been... It's weird to me because when you look at the amount of games in the franchise, there's a lot of them there, you know? And it's like, why... And they and I, I'm always shocked that people were surprisingly disappointed. I'm like, of course you are. Like these games have not been good for many, 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 many years, uh, but they still keep pumping them out. It it it's it's baffling. I I I wonder if it's EA talks about them the way they talk about it. it's because they're probably cheap. They're derivative. They're cheap to make. And so, because it's cheap to make and, and they and they make so much money, they, they kind of just top it up and like, yeah, oh yeah, you bought exactly. this. It's like yeah. their Call
0: of Duty, but racing, <laughs> you know. And they just churn yeah. them out, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they'll they'll hype up this one little new thing they did, and they'll say they rebuilt something from the ground up, which they never rebuilt from the ground up. They do that with sports games too. It's it's infuriating with Madden All the time. Yeah, every yeah, yeah. year. We we rebuilt this from the ground like in the, the exact same animations from last year. You know, it's so it's it's that For same years. spirit of like you're 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 making it sound you're, you're gas it up and it's not the end product is almost always a regression compared to where they were before which was already bad so it's it's brutal i've
1: seen some running back animations in madden from last year that i saw in madden 99 bro i knew (laughs) knew. (laughs) it's terrible but it is it's
0: it's just weird that ea gets away with that for so long too man it's 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 stunning it's stunning yeah so it
1: is stunning. And and you know what else is stunning? My my next Ugh, pick is going to be go. uh, a little stunning. Um look. I want to preface by saying that I don't think these games are terrible. I just loathe them. <laughs> okay, I want to say that again. Um my number 2 is uh The Elder Scrolls. <laughs> uh, guys. Look. It goes i don't know it goes I don't know him.
0: I don't I don't know him. <laughs>
1: I, it goes without saying, for those of you who've heard the, the, the pod before, I, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm a Fog guy, but that's not the reason why I loathe Elder Scrolls. It's actually much simpler than that. I just find these games to be terribly boring, aesthetically uninspiring. Like, Tamriel is just your run-of-the-mill high-fantasy locale. Uh, I'm sure that you know and I rem- I can't specifically remember but I guess that's part of the problem there's some pretty cool NPCs out there but I just can't remember any of them uh, you know th- in terms of their storytelling like when you think about Fallout you think like Three Dog, Dogmeat, McCready, Garvey, Tejada like all these uh, NPCs that have these, these like really cool personalities that, that are, are part of, of the story but when you look at The way that Elder Scrolls tells the story, anybody who is a Skyrim Morrowind fan will tell you, well, just get through the main quest and you'll really find out that the other stuff is the actual good stuff in the game. And that's cool that's just not my thing i i really i just can't even i can't even get into these games anymore it's just i i don't find the fantasy setting to be particularly interesting either i I, the stories that they're telling aren't interesting to me not none of it is 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 of interest uh like the time release like morrow and skyrim's comment felt dated uh and fallout has the vat system that that kind of Covers that miserable shooting, like like you find in FO and and Fallout Three or New Vegas, but there's none of that in Skyrim. You have to just kind of just swing your sword and and, and look. The creation engine hates hit detection. It is <laughs> its worst enemy, and there's none of that in these games. Uh, you know, especially for a person like me that doesn't really mess with the magic stuff and kind of just goes all melee. It just it never felt great to play. Uh, and then like again, I go back out to the way that the the, the Elder Scrolls dolls out missions. It it almost feels uninterested in its own main quest storytelling because I agree. Everything else with with all the factions and everything, all that feels a lot better, more fleshed out. But everything with its main quest always feels like some sort of just grab all high fantasy run of the mill story that they're telling. Um, you know, and, and that and that's just for me. It doesn't work. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that. Uh, if elder scrolls is 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 a bad game i i understand like the influence it had over the the you know all, all of of gaming but I, I think that you could there's a, you can appreciate a game for what it's done and still understand that it either doesn't work for you or that it's not very interesting to you. Uh, and I got, I got to say, it's just not for me. And I I, I, I got to admit, I love to loathe you. I, I do. There's a lot of people out there like Marco himself and, and others that love the series. And I don't I don't think they love their live in a bad game in any way, shape, or form. I' a matter of fact, I'm jealous of them. That they uh, find uh, something fun about these geriatric approach I'm so- <laughs> it just feels it just feels bro, bro boring I think I might have fell asleep in Skyrim Just kind of traversing through that through that uh world what do you think Marco am I off my rocker nope I'm right awesome okay
0: so for those of you that fast forwarded to the part where I get to tell off Pablo for this on your behalf we're here now we we you don't have to keep skipping past no,
1: no, no. I've made salient points and I have many people behind me you know, saying, you know what? I hate Skyrim now.
0: Nah, I just feel nah it just didn't I happen. See happened. the thing guys about mental uh health is a lot of times they don't realize that something's wrong until until they hear it from the ones they love. And and if if you if you have taken issue with what this man has said, uh where you know he is he is he has taken a bite out of the hand that fed him. Uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think the industry owes a lot to to the Elder Scrolls. Uh, and I'm not saying that you're not it saying does. that. But I think that yeah. what's weird to me about your feelings towards this series is that in a lot of ways, it it is doing what you love uh, games like Elden Ring for doing. Games like Breath of the Wild for doing. Where it is it is letting you kind of go off and find your own your own story connect your own dots your own way and yes it's got something that kind of connects everything together as a main story arc but it's not it's not interested in in kind of locking you in and shackling you to that to that storyline it's it's letting you go be whatever character it it is the epitome of a role-playing game uh and i think it excels at that and has excelled at that uh pretty tremendously with its open-endedness um, the 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 amount of things you can do to not only create your own path for yourself but also kind of break the game uh, like the old school games let like you do if you kill a character you're just kind of done uh, and you could kill anybody back in the day Th- those kinds of things are are part of what um, I think make this franchise special uh, and I I agree that some of the high fantasy stuff can be a bit you know phoned in or just kind of run-of-the-mill, uh, and I, I would like to see what they do with the next game when it comes out in 2048, <laughs> when, when we finally <laughs> see how they're going to evolve the storytelling there. But I, I think overall, this the, to me, The Elder Scrolls has has been an incredible um, you know anchor for, for the industry and for gaming yeah. uh, in, in so many ways that I just want to quit the show now, is what I want to do.
1: <laughs> no, but, the, the, and, and to your point, it's all about it being a whole experience. Yeah, sure. Elden Ring does what this game does in terms of, like, exploration, but it's fun to play. It feels good to play. It gives you, like, the gameplay itself is as satisfying as the exploration. Same thing with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, it it feels good to play. Uh, I I just love the the things you can do in that game and the physics engine of of Zelda and, and how you can, and Breath of the Wild specifically, and how you can break that game by just exploring it, but with other elements attached to it. This, these games, even when they came out, just had that for sure, but it never felt like a fun time, like in terms of the actual gameplay of it. And then, like, and the fantasy world stuff, you know, it, there's only, and it's not its fault, there's only so much you can do with that. Approach forests and, and 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 dilapidated castles and there's not much you can do there and so that's why with Fallout you know it is a post-apocalyptic and I guess that aesthetic also speaks to me a little bit more as well it just there's a lot more you can do there and I already spoke, spoke about the VAT system that covers a lot of the shit about the creation engine that doesn't work and so it, it's an amalgamation of all those things while I agree yeah uh, this game is is great when it comes to exploration just f- playing the game itself and as a total package felt dated even then and so it's just i really never got get into these games i played i played morrow i played skyrim and i just never could put more than you know 20 30 hours into it because it just was it felt like work and it felt good sometimes but most times it just never felt like a really fun time to me so Mm. there's uh there's that for me but yeah um but again, uh, everything you said is right on. Uh, I I don't think you, I, if you think I'm crazy for that, that's and anybody else thinks that. I I agree. I mean, Elder Scrolls is is is, is a great franchise that people love, but I love to loathe it. Well, pe- love people love to loathe. Been
0: it. people well, been knowing you're crazy, bro. The last episode, <laughs> the pee your- break, hold music. My oh. God, dude. <laughs> he I, I I now I got like a complex whenever we record. Like, is he gonna? Is he going to have to, to go to the bathroom again? Am I? Did he actually bring a bedpan this time? And I'm just going to hear the sound of urine droplets while I'm trying to talk about a game. I don't know.
1: I mean, if that happens, I'll amplify that sound so you guys hear the clanking <sighs> of the metal nah. of my urine stream.
0: Nah.
1: Marco, it comes to our number one. What is your number one game franchise you love to loathe?
0: This one is, uh, this is a fascinating one because this is a, a series that was around for a while, went Went away, came back, and in somewhere in the middle of all of this, I have yet to hear a very compelling reason as to why people hold this franchise so near and dear to their hearts. I, I genuinely have not really heard a lot of compelling arguments, and I'm talking about Crash Bandicoot. Um, every time I I think about this series, there is there is just no discernible reason. Why Crash Bandicoot is such an iconic character? I don't know what it is. Um, he doesn't speak. He's 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 kind of a little zany, cartoony guy that spins around. <laughs> that's really about all he's got going for him. And then I think then you couple that with what I believe to be truly unremarkable and unreliable platforming that's posing as a yeah. game about precision uh, is is laughable to me. I. I I think that this this concept of well, you know, Crash Bandicoot games are d- they're difficult games, man. They're not your little kitty platformers. I I hate that narrative about this series because I think most of that comes from the fact that the platforming has been um, for the most part pretty pretty bad or just not great all throughout the series. And so this precision argument comes from that in a way to me that I just don't agree with whatsoever. Then you tack on yeah. Uninspired level design and this baffling reliance on literally breaking boxes in that game. Wooden, wooden boxes. Spin and hit them, knock them over. There's something inside. Like, I understand that that's kind of in a way, a Mario thing with hitting the bricks and then the mushrooms coming out and so on and so forth. But there, there's, a, there's times and places for that within the Mario games. And, and they kind of created that, that idea. This game is filled with wooden boxes. It's just filled everywhere. There's e- everywhere. Some of them have letters in them that you can spell out to, to, you know, to get your little collectibles. Some of them have those little weird uh, oranges that don't look ripe after all these years, <laughs> they're still yellowy and weird and red and bre- like they're ugly and they don't look they don't look tasty to me. Um, The sequels to me never really moved the needle either at the time or, um you know, when when the comeback happened. Um, First and foremost, that the sequels back in the day came out really rapid fire. I mean, I think they were almost like a year apart. And so it was very evident to me that they were just kind of cashing in on the fact that Sony had their little mascot guy that they can throw into the ring against the Marios and Sonics and, and the, the old N64 uh, characters of the world. And they just kind of kept cashing in cashing in. And all the while, there was just nothing coming from that franchise that screamed personality or uh, being memorable. And I know that's subjective. I know some people find some some attachment to some of those villains and stuff like that. I get it. But to me, I just think the series never really performed well and never played well. It, and it certainly, to me, hasn't aged well. And then the comeback, um, to me, wasn't really the shot in the arm that I think the series needed. Because even though it sold pretty nicely and it reviewed pretty well, I just don't think it really made that much of a difference in the grander scheme of things for, for Crash. It's, the, the series has always been successful. It's always sold remarkably well, which to me, again, is just baffling. Um, <laughs> but it, it doesn't do anything to really move that needle again. It's, okay, so Crash is back. All right, so what's new about him now? And it's just not really, not all that much, dude. Just kind of more unique level design, I guess. Some stuff that modern games have done, and we'll just pepper that into the formula you love and call it a day. I don't think that's enough. I think this game, much like Kirby, uh, is a tale of imposter syndrome uh, when it comes yeah. to uh, being a poor man's Donkey Kong and uh, a poor man's Mario Kart. I, I think Crash Team Racing is is a pretty solid uh, little spin off. Um, but again, it's just another tale of a platforming mascot character that. Has has a ton of popularity, but never really, never really came into his own, and is yeah. hard for fans to describe why they like it. It's, it's almost like, man, I grew up playing Crash. I love Crash. I played it, with, you know, when I was a kid back in nineteen ninety. Blah blah blah. And I get that, but but why though? But like, what what is yeah, it intrinsic? A lot of what is games. it intrinsically about intrinsically about Crash that makes you care? What is it? like yeah. i just don't see it i never have and i never will and and so whenever a new crash something or other happens i mean i think one of the new playstation plus games is, is i think i think it's the new crash game and everybody's like oh man the new crash game is going to be the next playstation
1: plus it's a it's a yeah it's the it's the newest crash and, you know,
0: I'm, the, and I'm just the fourth and one. i'm just like Ugh. so yeah
1: yeah yeah to your point about crashing racing crashing racing is like a little bit more of a difficult game than, than than Mario Kart and it just it doesn't work for me because it's like man it's like a, like a sweaty ass kart racer yeah, uh, with all this like cartoony ass shit So it. it's like okay I don't want this but anyway um to your point about that I I think for the last one was really good uh for a crash game but to your uh, yeah cheap versions of Donkey Kong like that game just came out a couple of years ago Played well, looked pretty good. Compare that to Tropical Freeze. It's a, it's still yeah, compared, it's, I mean, Tropical and, and Freeze that, is that's it's a perfect the,
0: example of like that's a game that really requires precision and is difficult. Yeah. But it's it is it is a part of the design. It's not to me an yeah. excuse like it is for Crash. Well, it's just a hard game. No, it just it just you actually play. plays loose and slow and sluggish, and it's it's not as responsive sorry it's not that
1: good yeah you press x to you press x to jump with with crash and he's in the air for like Ugh. 10 seconds and you can kind of like move him from left to right for and Dog. it just it, it's asking for precision but really what it's giving you like 80 years to complete your <laughs> jump but then the platform just isn't
0: it never, designed it, never well well right, for to, it, it never feels right dude it never right. feels right i don't know never i just feels good i tried it i downloaded uh you know the the trilogy or something like you know just to test it out and i'm like oh no i just i still don't see it i still don't see it um so
1: even even remade even remade i I, it does feel better than the originals uh but even then even that market uh marketable improvement has nothing on any of the games that it's trying to emulate because it is definitely a response to the to the nintendo platformers of its time and when you look at when you look at Really, when you look at um, uh, the the mascot platformers for PlayStation era, Crash is the most popular and probably the worst game. You know, because you That's got a great like point. Sly Cooper, which I'm a I'm a huge Sly Cooper guy, yep. and we don't, we don't see that franchise. Uh, you know, & Clank is, is just got it to do last Jack year. It's Daxter. great, but you know, even Jack and Daxter, but even then, Crash. I think eclipses all those games in terms of popularity, yeah. which is it's incredible to me. But again, I guess. There's something to be said about living in somebody's brain or mind because it's a game they grew up with. I mean, we we grew up. With, we play a lot. Oh, of Oh yeah, bad for games. sure, for sure. Uh, we're not out here clamoring for a remake of the Burglar Bros. games, Bonanza Bros. The, the, the Bonanza Bros. games. We, we're not. I mean, we love that game. It was, in in our mind, it, it was a great time. But I'm sure if we go back to that, we're like, ooh, you know. But yeah. So let me let me hit my number one here uh if you didn't like my Elden Ring pick I'm uh, my uh, Ooh, sorry, Elden Ring spicy pick. No, I'm just kidding no no my Elder Scrolls pick you're really not gonna like this kids that Theft oh, Auto. On. <laughs> Dog, listen listen hold on right. hold on let me give me give me give me my give me my time and maybe you'll understand where I'm coming from or maybe not maybe not but I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a I got some things to say. Just like Elden, uh, Elden, uh, Elder Scrolls, if not more so, I understand the contribution Grand Theft Auto 3 specifically has given to the gaming industry. But so has Pac-Man, Tetris, and Pong. That doesn't mean it gets to be excluded from any kind of criticism as a whole. I love Grand Theft Auto 4 and Vice City. I think the latter of uh, of that is because, uh, the latter of, that because of how... It was my real introduction to a Grand Theft Auto game, but the former because it's genuinely a great game. But I never understood the hype be, uh, behind San Andreas or Grand Theft Auto Five. They are not bad games, but the conversation about those games within the whole kind of industry, it just doesn't ring true to me. A franchise that's only talked about as if Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and 5 existed. Conveniently, nobody's ever talking about the Liberty City stories, Chinatown Wars, Grand Theft Auto OG or Grand Theft Auto 2. It's juvenile writing at times. Huge swing and misses when it comes to parody or commentary. Inconsistent writing with its characters. Some are written beautifully like Niko Bellic and while others are horribly written, this might be controversial, like Trevor, who's just like the most generic, crazy, white Hillbilly dude, that they could possibly have come up with. Uh, Then comes the then comes like games like Andreas telling us the story of CJ, a fictional LA, uh, in fictional Los Angeles about gang life and culture in 1992, written by Dan, white guy Dan Hauser. Uh, As a package, I always find these games frustrating. Like, the more I grow up, the more I realize the conversation about great writing from Rockstar is a lot like their work it's fiction. I don't think they write well at all. I think that they create these really massive, huge worlds, and it's really awesome to travel and traverse in them, like with Grand Theft Auto V, but I think that the writing, in not always, but it, it, it for me, it misses more than it hits. Uh, okay, I love these games because of how much they're talked about, and all the love they get for things that they don't even do well. It's just another reminder about how young our industry is and how it's still growing uh, there isn't a world where like games like The Last of Us can be spoken about in the same sentence as Grand Theft Auto 5 when it comes to writing yet the perception is that these games are the same in it's writing um, like talent right like people talk about Dan Hauser like he's the second coming of, of, of whatever it is in terms of writing for video games like a lot of the conversations about Grand Theft Auto yes it's about the gameplay and it's just about the world but then people also talk about the story like I I Grand Theft Auto 5 story I, I didn't like any of that story I I, I like the elements of some of it but ultimately Franklin probably the best character out of all three Michael was insufferable and just kind of a trope of every other uh gang movie that's ever existed he you know, fucking Carlito's way, whatever you want to think about. And then Trevor's just a bad character. I, 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 it was funny going, switching over to him, him seeing like killing somebody, or whatever, but it's just the writing itself just never really hit home to me. And I know that when people keep hearing me talk about the writing, they're like, yeah, but this game is about open world. Yes, I get that. And that's all great and dandy. But I don't play these games for a Grand Theft Auto V online. I play them for the story and the experience. And while I appreciate the open world of it, and I and I think they do a really good job. I think that other games have come out and have done better jobs at in terms of exploring that that world. It's not just a world that exists within, its, within the developer's mind, but rather it's a game that can be explored and stretched out and can like like Elder Scrolls or even Fallout can be broken in a way. Grand Theft Auto is very sterile in its approach to to, to its development. Like, yes, you could do a lot of things in that world, but it's not none of it is organic. It's all like there, it's all scripted in, in, in that way. So ultimately. Uh, I just feel like these games are not games that I really... I haven't enjoyed a Grand Theft Auto in a very, very long time. Uh, and uh, I, I think that these games are just a little bit overhyped, man. I mean, and the the conversations with the Grand Theft Auto 6 that's coming next, it's like people are really waiting. It's the probably the most anticipated game on a lot of people's lists. But for me, it's just... It's a wait and see for me. And and I guess that's why it's I loathe it. And that's why it's not one of my most favorite games is because... The, if anything, this should be like on top of my list, but it's not. It's 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 just not a franchise that I feel really is as good as people uh, want it to be, or even portray it to be. That's my uh, number one.
0: I liked you better about an hour ago as a person. <laughs> um, I don't know where to start. Uh, I, I I I disagree on almost every almost every level. I, I some of that I. I was a bit confused by a lot of that too. I mean, I think for me, um, to me, I think this seems like between this and, and elder scrolls, there might be a, there may be somewhat of a theme here with, with those two picks. I feel like you maybe appreciate the, the blueprint that those franchises created so that others can t- kind of take it and, yeah. and maybe outclass it is maybe some of where, where this is coming from. But I, I, I guess I fundamentally disagree that Grand Theft Auto itself has, um, you know, been kind of how you described it. I, I do think you know I know you kind of mentioned that you know you you said when people listen to this they might say man why are you dwelling on the writing so much I I do have to agree there with with that sentiment and I guess I'll be that that spokesperson, um, because I think that there's GTA has always been a product based on the sum of its parts. And I think the writing has always been a big piece of it, but it's never been, um, I I would never say that it's been the glue, um, of, of, of the games. I don't think it was ever intended to be the glue of the games. A lot of what GTA is, is going out there and acting a a whole fool. (laughs) And there's something there to come back to when you're ready to take on a mission, but um, in a lot of ways, like a Saints Row, it's it's go out there, have your fun, explore. There's a lot of things to do. We've added a lot of places you can go do for social stuff and blah, blah, blah. And obviously in the recent years, the multiplayer. But there's always something you can come back to if you want something a bit more guided. Um, I, I've never felt like GTA stories have been integral. Um, so I, I think kind of the the weight that you've put on the writing, I think is... A little undue, in in my personal opinion. Um, I think the gameplay, to me, um, I think the one argument I could make is that I think that Rockstar has never really figured out how to make a great controlling open world game. I think that even goes to yeah. to, to Red Dead, in my personal opinion. But I think that there is hardly ever been um, in terms of world building and. God, the satire. That's part of writing, too. Uh, just the satire of, of modern world events. Um, I don't think it's good. I think that's it's incredible. It. Um, and I think that they've done yeah. an outstanding job of really knowing how to do that stuff in a humorous way without without it being so on the nose that it's obnoxious. And that's all subjective. It's, all subjective.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned funny, and I, I know a lot of people do, but I've never particularly myself played a Grand Theft Auto game and thought hilarious. Like I, and I and I'm not say again, like you said, very subjective. Like things that I find funny, you may not find funny and vice versa. But that's kinda like my my, my part of it yeah. as well. I mean and I guess on the gameplay side, yeah, I mean to me it's it's to me it's the ultimate
0: urban sandbox experience. I mean you you can just go out there and, and wreak havoc in so many fun ways. Even when the series became a bit more grounded, there was never a shortage of of, of things that you can do or explore or try out that um, made the game so dynamic and interesting that that Rockstar really had to outdo themselves to to think about yeah. beat by beat in every minuscule detail. I think this is, this well, is a series yeah. to me. I guess just just a wrap that I think is, yeah, I think it is some of the most in depth, nuanced open world design that there's ever been. Uh, and, and I think that goes for the old games, albeit a product of their times, but also the new games as well. I think the series has lost a bit of itself when it's it's shifting so heavily towards online. I think that's a valid concern. But I I I don't see enough here that's truly loathable about this franchise that it it's it's doing poorly. Um I just think it's a matter we'll of some some maybe some taste differences here.
1: We, we look at Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto 4. All those are very story-centric games. Grand Theft Auto 3, obviously, revolutionized the open world in a game genre. And so, you know, at that time, sure, the openness of it felt interesting. And it was interesting. I'm not going to take that away. But Vice City didn't really have a lot of way of extracurricular activities. You know, you had the story. You had Ray Liotta that they signed specifically to, to, to make. Uh, a voice uh, appearance in this game like it was all about its story Grand Theft Auto 4 I don't agree it stripped everything down I just don't agree but go ahead keep going going. but Grand Theft Auto 4 stripped everything that San Andreas did into almost nothing and it all mainly made you focus on its story which I love I think it's one of the best-written works, uh, and then when you look at Andreas and Grand Theft Auto Five, those games are about abundance and overindulgence, and not in a bad way. I don't mean that; I just mean that in its the approach theme. to gameplay, just yeah. a lot, a lot of stuff on there. But when you look at when you look at at the very least three out of the five games that I mentioned, it's very much about its story. It's very much about the satire and kind of like making fun of movies that exist or emulating movies that exist. And so I, I just found. All that, uh, all those things, not to be particularly fun for me at, at all the times. That I played it, with the exception of four, which admittedly is one of my favorite games. Uh, but it's because it focused on that story, and it still had that open world. But it, it just, I, I just didn't feel like. It, it, it overindulged, it wasn't like it created an excess, it was actually stripped back and really focused on writing, and it was and that worked for me, and that may, that might be a theme for me there as well, but for me, like San Andreas and, and, and Five, it just felt like a lot of stuff, like it, it just a lot of uh, stuff that was on there and and, and sure, it, it a lot of those mechanics and those things are considered to be revolutionary in the industry but again you can like Pong and you can like Tetris and you can like all those games that changed the the video games forever but I think ultimately for me the franchise itself as a whole just doesn't really speak to me in, in, in many ways I, <laughs> I just I find it to be overindulgent and I find it to be at times just really full of itself in, in, in its approach and again again we're not talking about terrible games here at all. And I'm just talking about personally how we feel about certain games. You know, I'm sure you think Kirby is a great (laughs) franchise. Crash Bandicoot, Uh, Elder Scrolls is a great franchise Mario. Like I'm sure those, some of these games that we've talked about today could be some of your favorite games of all time. I totally understand that, but I guess that's why I wanted to bring these up because like you said, even secretly hate these games or secretly love these games because it's like, man, I just don't get why people love these games so much. And I and, and hearing you everything you said, I get it. I've heard that before, and I think you're right. I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, but for me personally, on a personal level, I just, Grand like, Theft Auto Five was was kind of the nail in the coffin for me, where I'm like, man, I really am not enjoying the story. Like, yeah, I all. mean,
0: I guess that's my only sticking point. I mean, the rest of it's all subjective, and that's totally fine. You know, how you feel is how you feel. I'm not going to argue that. I I just think that the 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 weighted like. The weight on, on the writing that I think you, you've spoken about, I just don't see that. I think this has always been a water cooler game of, you know, here's the, the ridiculous thing I was able to do, uh, and then the, all the cops came and I had to shoot down, you know, all the choppers with an RPG and kill yeah, the hooker. Like, that's what you heard about. It. No one ever was like, man, did you hear what happened to CJ? Did you get to the part where, uh, you know, uh, Ray Liotta's <laughs> okay, character, but to that- you know... It never happened. So I, I think it's always been about moments more than it's been about story beats. So I I, I think there's probably a bit of, of, of you in there uh, with your prioritization yeah. for story. And again, that's fine. I just don't think that GTA has been that dependent on um, you know, expert writing yeah. or storytelling or characterization to, to do what they want to do. Uh, they've been more about caricatures and satire
1: and world building but that's the thing. I just I don't think they do that well either. Yeah. Like I just again I never found any of that stuff like completely uh, uh, particularly funny. But then just my last point is yeah water clear moments about shooting cops and, and getting into these gunfights. But it's that never felt good either to begin with. So it's just uh, another layer to, to the whole thing where it's like yeah I remember in Vice City where I was being chased by a whole bunch of cops and I was going through like but it just getting out of the car and actually shooting people that was uh, less fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I I I I appreciate the series, and I'm, I'm glad it exists, and I'm looking forward to see what Grand Theft Auto 6 is. Is it gonna be more of the GTA 4 uh, stuff, or is it gonna double down on what Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and Five mm-hmm. did? And you know, w- w- that's much. Uh, less to be seen here. Yeah, man.
0: Anything else you wanna add? No, no. You just you you exhaust me. You exhaust my my, my mind, man. Uh, I need a nap after this. I'm going to go pull out another wisdom tooth. It was more fun than hearing you dunk onto my favorite franchises. <laughs> no, this was a lot of fun though. I actually had a good time doing this one. So, uh, hope the listeners did too.
1: Yeah, I hope they did too. Um, well, Marco, um, is looking here for the, uh, outro and I can't find it. <laughs> well, what we do is we say
0: goodbye. Uh, no, we uh, we appreciate you guys for checking out our episode um, we, We're doing Thursday episodes from here on out So make sure you guys check in uh, before uh, you know Either late Wednesday night or, or sometime Thursday to, to check out our new Checkpoint episodes like this one Hopefully you enjoy it uh, We're always going to do our Monday episodes as per usual though So don't get confused and think we're moving our podcast To a different day of the week Just as an FYI for those of you who are, have kind of been, uh, been around with us for a while But uh, yeah, yeah man, I think that's going to do it here Are we all good?
1: Yeah, be sure to check us out on podcasts uh and stay notified when they drop.
0: All right, you guys. Well
1: you're welcome. We'll see you next time. Peace.